Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo. This is episode 228. I am not joined today by Prez, who is traveling for work like a piece of shit that he is. Uh, but I am joined by not a first-time guest, but first time in a long time. His name is Jack Borman. That is at jr borman 13 on twitter he is the is are you the site manager or editor-in-chief of cana supas i always fuck this up whatever you want to call it man whatever your he heart desires the, he is the uh joseph stalin of cana supas <laughs> uh Jesus the soviet premier of cana supas <laughs> jack how you doing i'd be better if prez stopped ducking me man but uh <laughs> but you know that's that's for the birds man uh good to hear i hope uh hope the all season treated you well um well your team certainly made a move uh so we will talk about that in time uh but before we get started i do have to make an announcement that strickland has a patreon you can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to this podcast right here, Pod Strickland, that I do every Friday with Prez, except for this Friday. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that is hosted by Drew Steele, a.k.a. Doug. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never quite stops. There's also a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. Also get access to wonderful premium articles written by Jack Huntley, Matthew Miranda, even sometimes Jeffrey Rasmussen, three of the best writers out there in the game. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like live watch parties, merchandise discounts, listening in on pod recordings, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So, without further ado, let's get started. Um, we will talk about your Minnesota term rules. Uh, but, look, I don't think we can. We have to. We just have to talk about it because it is the single most uh, pressing piece of news. I guess dominant piece of news, however you like to phrase it. Rudy uh, Gobert and the French advance to the semifinals of Eurobasket. That's right, Schwinn. Yes, exactly. After That's a right. after a just harrowing <laughs> overtime victory uh, over the monstrous Italian team, who I don't know if they have an NBA player on the roster right now. Uh, well, they definitely don't. They they don't have one that has an ACL. I'll tell you that much. Um, but uh, shout out Danilo Gallinari once in a always a Nick. Um, no, we got to talk about Robert Sarver, uh, who was suspended for a year, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, fine $10 million. He has to go through, what is it, some kind of class on, like, understanding how to not be a 
bigoted piece of shit, like bigoted misogynistic piece of shit. I should be more specific. Um, I'll I'll just say like I understand why everybody's pissed off. I am pissed off in the sense of like this just sucks that like these are the people that own sports teams um, and seem to make up way too much of the people that own most of the resources of the general economy. But like it's also just not surprising to me. And like that that's I guess maybe like that's why I just kind of didn't have much of a reaction to it. So like I didn't think he was like I never thought for a second they were going to take the team away from him. I didn't think they were going to do much more than suspend him for a year, two years max. And a suspension effectively means nothing, right? It's just like he can't be involved in the day-to-day activities. I I think that's basically what a suspension is. Um, I guess he can't go to the facility, he can't go to games. So, like, okay, he can't go watch them get destroyed in Game 7. That might be a good thing for him. Um, I don't know. I just... I just kind of like maybe that's bad because I'm just kind of numb to it, and we need the people that are like super pissed off about the suspension, and then kind of like that pretty terrible press conference that Adam Silver had yesterday. But it's like, I, like people, I just see people like really pissed at Adam Silver, and I'm like, guys, let me tell you, I'm going to let you in a little secret. Adam Silver is just doing what his bosses want him to do, and his bosses are the NBA owners. So if you have a problem, take it up with the owner of your team. Um, I, I just have a hard time getting upset with Adam Silver because I just, like, that's the job. You know, like, this is like when people used to get pissed off at Goodell. Like, oh, my God, what Goodell's just, like, unilaterally destroy, like creating rules and laws and all this shit. I'm like, yeah, well, that's, one, that's for some reason why what the players agreed to uh, <laughs> in the CBA, but, like, also... That's, you know, that that's what the owners want him to do. And, like, if you want, if you're really looking for the villains and all this, it is the owner, the owners of these sports. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say is, like, look, I'm happy that the media asked Adam Silver tough questions. I mean that genuinely. Um, but I saw Sam, Sam Amick wrote an article yesterday. And in it, he had this little tidbit at the end of about how, you know, the media has done such a great job of uncovering these horrible things about these various franchises of late, you know, with the uh, scandals that the Mavericks have had over the past the recent years. Obviously, this this now, this recent thing with the Suns and Sarver. Um, and, you know, that without them, the NBA would not have found the stuff out. And because of this, the NBA, you know, they need to do a better job of policing themselves and organizations and all this type of shit. And I agree with that. The NBA does need to do a better job with that. I am not here for the media to pat themselves on the back for this shit. Because I am sorry, this stuff about Robert Sarver, it's not new. It's not new. Like, this, the guy's been known to be a terrible... This is First of all, this has been something that's spanned like 18 years, right? I have a very hard time believing there were no reporters. With how plugged in the league is, there were no reporters that had any inkling of this stuff coming out until... Was it Baxter Holmes that wrote the piece? Baxter Holmes wrote the piece for ESPN. I just, right? I just think people didn't give a shit about it. Like, kind of to your point, in the sense that, like, you know, like you're not shocked by it. You're kind of numb to it at this point. Like, how many of those reporters 
kind of old guard reporters probably knew things about Sarver, about Donald Sterling so, back in the time that just like were like, oh, it's not my place to try and see, blow I up think their spot. Like, I think it's actually worse than that. Like, and this is why I just can't get with like the media. I'm not justifying it either. No, I'm no, no. And, and like I, contextualizing of why for it's sure. starting to happen now. The climate sure. is just way different, which is a good thing. I mean, it's promoting positive change and like obviously, you know publicly reprimanding you know people that obviously needed it bare minimum um but no for sure and i i i i know like i understand you're not you know justifying it i'm not like like in the same way i'm not trying to say like we shouldn't give a fuck about like robert sarver being a racist misogynistic piece of shit right like my my numbness to it does not mean that like i everybody should react the same way or no like i get that but my point with the media thing is we were talking about this on our Discord yesterday. It reminds me a lot of like the steroid stuff with baseball when like this it like you know it first started coming out the Balco scan and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden these reporters were like, "Oh my god, like they ruined the game, the sanctity of the game." And I'm like, guys, you were in the fucking locker room for like a decade. You saw Mark McGuire's head grow like six times its size. <laughs> He's got acne all over his back. What the fuck did you think was going on? And with like the NBA, like, like I think. It's and we see this with reporting all the time. I mean, we joke about it, right? Like, oh my God, Woj! Like every tweet that Woj has, there's like 17 people he has to carry water for, and it's like this disgusting thing that he has to keep up for access, right? And obviously, Shams is the same thing, and a lot of these reporters do the same thing. I understand to some extent that's like the currency that you have to work in in the business. Okay, I get that, but like, I would also venture to guess that some of the reason this stuff doesn't come out sooner is because it has to come out at a time where it's easy to quote unquote i guess stick your neck out and report on this stuff and ask the hard questions because it has now become convenient due to the circumstances whereas if if for example i don't know who the fuck like the phoenix beat writer guy is but if this guy started writing this stuff back in like 2017 was there enough there were there were there would there have been enough uh, people to back him up on it? Would there have been uh, a climate within kind of like, you know, the entire industry where where you wouldn't be risking your own kind of self-interest? And I I think that's like, we're now in a say, and like this entire press conference yesterday with Silver, you know, like this is where Baxter Holmes deserves a lot of credit, right? Because he was the first one to write the story. So he put himself out there he wrote a story, he did his research, got his sources, wrote about some really fucked up shit, right? He was the first guy to break this stuff. And because of that, now the NBA can investigate it, right? And now they could have like a 36-page thing with however many words. And now that they've done this, now these reporters can go there and ask Adam Silver the hard questions. And it's like, I kind of just think they could have asked those hard questions a lot sooner, but it was inconvenient. And now it's a lot easier to do that. And I'm happy that it's happening. But it's the kind of thing where I'm like, I am not going to like, like Baxter Holmes can get a pat on the back. But the rest of these people, like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I'm cool. Howard Beck asked Adam Silver a tough question. Good job. Like, congrats, dude. You also wrote an article two years ago about how like James Dolan is Satan. Because he apparently hates, he didn't put out, Black Lives Matter IG posts. Um, by the way, the Knicks employ the most people of color and women in the league. But 
That's the easy part, according to Howard Beck. The hard part is posting stuff on social media. Um, but the like, hard this, part is winning games. Let me tell you firsthand. Yeah, that's the hard part. That's the actual part <laughs> where, like, you know, uh, you win games, then all of a sudden people will overlook uh, Robert Server being a piece of shit, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I just this whole story is just so depressing to me in a way because it's like I don't think there are any heroes here. You know, like you know. Chris Paul's posting stuff on Twitter. LeBron's posting stuff on Twitter. And it's like, like, I appreciate that they did that. But it's also, like, hard for me to believe that they would have never known about this before. And, like, you're LeBron, like, you're LeBron James. You could post about anything you want at any time you want. And nobody, like, you're, like, you're not risking anything. You know what I mean? Like, you're LeBron James. And, you are Chris Paul. Like you are like you guys are supposed to be the leaders in a lot of ways. They're, I think they're both in the NBA PA, NBPA executive committee. Um I don't know. Like and I look, I'm saying I can, it's easy for me to say this sitting on a fucking, you know, podcast that like clearly I'm not risking much of anything cuz if I was, uh I would have been off the air a long time ago. Uh but like I I, I don't know. I just I, the entire thing just kind of Rubs me the wrong way. Like, you know, Kevin Durant requested a trade this offseason. The number one team on his list was the Phoenix Suns. Like, I do you like I I would I struggle to believe that people at the top of their industries, like Kevin Durant, okay, would not have had any inkling of what was going on in the Suns organization, would have no inkling of what was going on with this investigation and what the discovery was, and what they were going to kind of publish. I'm sure that people within the league knew about this a while ago. You know? That's how this oh, stuff works. Oh, for sure. And so, like, to me, like, that's the well, stuff... Well, and the other thing I was going to say about KD, just really quick, yeah. is, like, KD requested a trade after this initial news was out yeah. there, and it was made clear that the Suns were his preferred destination well after all this stuff was out here. And he's tight with Devin Booker. He's probably tight with Chris Paul. Like, all those dudes have, you know interacted with server for a long time and Katie is also tight with a lot of WNBA players and supports a lot of different WNBA players. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy too, that like there were, there was a ton of, you know, laden misogyny. And I think it was Zach Lowe who, who put it way better than, than I could talking about how, no, no, you, nobody could put it. Zach Lowe can't, he doesn't hold a candle to you, Jack. <laughs> um, but just that, uh, you know, that like, there's no way that you can just be, you know, a flaming misogynistic racist dirtbag and <laughs> not have it come from any place of, I believe the term was, uh, you know, like sexist or racial animus. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Like, are we, like, so, like, and they were saying that he had a sophomoric sense of humor, you know, like locker room talk type of sense of humor. I mean, some of the shit that he did was completely abhorrent. Like there, I mean, it's just, it's, it was incredible to read just because it, it's great. Cause obviously you, you know, you think about what Howard said, and I think that's the easiest way to contextualize it of like, if any of us did that, we wouldn't have a job in a second. And I think what was really unfortunate about yesterday was just like silver probably didn't want to say what he said in the manner in which he said it using the exact words that he used of like, you know, he does have different rights because he is an owner versus other people, but like rich people are better than you. Yeah. Like, and then have to have your, you know, your Aaron boy come out and, you know, 
throw a, another statement on top of it to be like, hey, I know he said the words. I know it looks bad, but trust me, it's not what he meant. Like you just you just can't do that. You just have to sit on it. Like no, well, it, it makes no, it look worse. Like PR saving. <laughs> hey, like pop, like pull the pin on a like you know like let's save this grenade and throw it into a media firestorm. Like there's just no way that's going to help anything at all. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is like what Silver said is true. Like in that owners do have different rights than any of the employees do. Like, you know, you know, think about like what Myers Leonard did. Like Myers Leonard hasn't sniffed the, the NBA since he made that comment on a, on a live stream. And I'm not saying whether he should or shouldn't like, I, it's not, I'm, I'm not Jewish. It's not my place to, to say what his punishment should or shouldn't be. But, um, you know, like if an owner said that, how many other owners are stepping up to be like, Hey man, we all want to mess with your money. Like who's with me? Because there's stories about probably almost every other owner, uh, in the league who, you know, were raised in an era without technology, without, you know, fear of anything being recorded or anything like that, that just let shit fly off the cuff all the time. And if the owners start to set precedent for each other that like, Hey man, the second that, anything comes out regardless of how bad it is. Like we're all coming for your money. None of the owners are going to want to do that. Well, I mean, Mark, Mark Cuban other, said this, he, he said this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it fucking sucks. It, I hate it. I hate that. That's the, that that's the reality of the situation that these owners, uh, you know, really don't face any repercussions for their actions. And silver basically said like, well, we didn't have them on tape. So, you know, we can't do anything like the owners aren't going to do anything about it. Cause he's not on tape saying any of it. Like then, then why are you even acknowledging that the comments were made? <laughs> why are you acknowledging that they were beyond the pale? If like, it's just ridiculous that we need some type of, you know, verbal or video record of all this. Like it's, it's unbelievable to me that there's all these people who signed NDAs that broke them to, you know, talk about this story with the NBA and their investigative team. And, you know, Silver basically admits like, yeah, well, we can't do anything because there's not a video. Like, what are we doing here? Like Sarver, like all most of Sarver's, you know, employees that are making the most amount of money for him, both in the WNBA side and the NBA side are predominantly people of color. And then you think about how many women are on, the WNBA side and, and like the women on the Phoenix Mercury have already been through enough. Like all the, like you saw the, like, I, I don't know like how many people, I guess, follow WNBA, but you know, I, I, I cover it, you know, secondarily to the NBA. And it's like all of the players on that team and players around the league, like are, we're super tight with Brittany Griner through USA basketball, all this other stuff. I mean, they already have the mental, emotional, physical anguish of, you know, the constant fear and worrying of her situation and, and how she's doing mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of that. And then you throw on top, like, Hey, by the way, your owner's like a racist, misogynistic piece of shit. And that's the guy that's supposed to be like out there supporting you, trying to do anything you can to help you providing all the necessary resources that you need, you know, trying to, work with Brittany Griner's family and the United States government in whatever capacity he can. Cause he's a powerful rich ass white guy. 
it's like when, when you just factor in all the different things that are at play there with Sarver, um, it's just absurd to me that, that the best we can do is like, hey, man, just chill on your couch for a year. And, uh, oh, yeah, you'll get to appoint the interim governor who um, shout out to a bunch of different Suns fans that were looking this stuff up on like Glassdoor and stuff like that. Like turns out the guy's just like as big of a piece of shit as Sarver is, um, which isn't surprising. But like, I mean, it's just. The, the NBA just botched the whole entire thing from start to finish. And while I recognize that, like, there's not a whole lot that, you know, Silver can do, and it's not like he's going to be beating the drum for, hey, let's get this guy out of here because he kind of needs to kiss the ashes of all the own- owners if he wants to keep a job. Like, it's just, it, it's so disheartening that they, they couldn't even at the bare minimum, like, not just have this abhorrently poor media gaffe of how he answered all the questions and, and all that stuff was just was just terrible. The whole situation sucks. I feel terrible for all the women, people of color in the Suns organization that went through all the bullshit that they did. Um, but I mean, like you said, I mean, it's just it, it's unfortunate that there's so much numbness around it. And you know, like, oh, let's just move on from it. Well, I that, mean, I and I guess gonna happen. I, it's like the you know, it's it's fine for like all of us to get mad and, and be upset about it, and that's normal. But it's like. Unless the owners the, aren't mad, nothing's yeah. going to happen. The, the owners aren't mad, and the players... I, I'm not going to say they're not mad. I have a hard time believing that, uh, you know, look, look, the, the majority of players being African-American, um, I, I have a hard time believing they're not mad. But at the same time, it's like, are they... Because what we're talking about here is like, you know, Steph Curry had a quote today, right, where he's like, I wish we didn't play that game in the playoffs. Um when the Donald Sterling thing was still kind of like unresolved and you know, like there was serious discussion, right. About during in the bubble where the bucks were like, let's just not play a game. Right. That was a serious discussion and they got talked out of it. I'm not going to, you know, look, we can all surmise who was the one that talked them out of it and how that happened. And whatever that, that says, like, I, I don't really want to go into that, but like, you know, ultimately like, if the leading players in the league and not just vocalize some dissent, but like formulate a plan with some substance to like show their discontent, maybe that's first game in Phoenix. Like the players just don't turn out, you know, whatever it is. Like, I'm not saying that has to be the the answer, but unless there is something like that, like there, there's not, it's not going to change and it won't change. And like that, that's what it is. So that's kind of like why I'm numb to it, to be honest. Like, because I don't think it really matters what we do. Like, I don't think it matters how mad fans are, how much noise there is about it. Like, the NBA, the season is going to start. Let's be real. This was, the season's going to start, and we're all going to get caught up in the product, like the actual product of the sport, right? Like, I'm as guilty of this as anybody because I, we've all done this. Like, we do this with football. Like, football, like, has all these fucking storylines the offseason, how horrible everything is, and the opening week comes, and I'm like, all right, sitting on the couch for the next 17 hours, not doing shit, watching this game. And, like, it's easy to get caught up in it, but it's like that. that's ultimately why it has to be, it has to come from people within the industry, right? Be it players, coaches, other owners, whatever it is, it has to be them, and it has to be, like, leading, like, kind of, 
you know, leading figures within the industry, right? It's not going to matter if, like, fucking, I don't know. Like, if, it, it, like, well, I mean, look, we could just use the bubble, right? I think George Hill was the one that was, like, trying to push for them to sit the game out. And it's like, yeah, you probably, you're probably going to need somebody a little bit, little bit, uh, somebody with a little bit more standing than George Hill. And the problem is those are the people that have the most to lose, right? So, like, I get it. It's hard. I, I It's easy for me to sit up here to just and just fucking say like they should do this they should do that i can't i can't in good conscience like yeah yeah like, put and, that on them you know like yeah. and like and the other thing is too like look let's also be real about these guys careers and where they are like you know we talk about leading players a lot of these leading players are like 28 30 like that's not actually old that's old in nba years maybe but it's not actually old and they only have x amount of years to maximize their kind of their their earning potential. So like they don't want to fuck up the money. They don't want to go on a strike. They don't want to like miss games. Yeah. I get that. So like yeah. I, I think it sucks that we have to that we kind of like in some ways it's on them to change it because it's like that's bullshit. You know, like that's just yeah. not how it should be. Yeah, my final point on on this whole thing, like I you know I think I made my my feelings about how messed up it is and all that. Um, you know, really clear. It's just. And you, you, you know, pretty much said what I was going to say is just like this whole thing shifts the burden onto the people who have the most, you know, to lose. Like the owners don't have the most to lose because worst case, they're forced to sell the team, right? Like I, I don't remember exactly like whether Sterling got to keep any of the profits from the sale of the team. His, or his wife did, right? I think. I don't remember. I, I, I'm just going to say I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's like, okay, he has to sell the team. But then, like, he gets to go, you know, take the $3 billion that he'd probably get for it and, you know, go just, like, do whatever for the last 20 years of his life or how – I don't even know how old he is. But, like – I think he died. Oh, I was talking about Sarver. Like, oh. like Sarver, like gets to oh. sell the team and keep the money and do whatever for the next however many years. But it's just like it, it should not be on guys on their rookie contracts to like be talking to Chris Paul about like, hey man, like I don't know how comfortable I feel with this because <laughs> like you know my rookie contract is for like eighteen million dollars and or six million dollars or whatever, um, like. How's this going to blow back on me? Like players shouldn't have to be worrying about that. Players should be able to say exactly how they feel. And like, I think it's a good thing that like LeBron and Chris Paul are putting something out there and, and that like, you know, that's not, they're showing that they care on some level. Um, but I mean, like it, it's just, I mean, I just try and think about it with like you know, the wolves, like, you know, if something happened, like, like Nas Reed, like Nas Reed's a guy who's fighting for his second contract in the league. Like how, how are we supposed to expect those guys to, you know, like pick up a sword when they have the most to lose? Like, it's, it's just ridiculous to me that, that the structure is what it is and no one's going to be able to change it. And like you were saying, like, that's where the numbness comes from. And I think everybody who feels that way is not alone. And I think, the numbness is just kind of like anger to a point of apathy, you know, like you're just so frustrated. But what frustrates you even more is that like all your frustration, like doesn't really mean anything. 
in the sense that it's not moving the needle towards there being a solution to the problem. You know? Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. frustrating. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is what it is. It's like, you know, all we can do is talk about it because, you know, this, the, this is the worst part is like, it doesn't matter what we say or do. Yeah, anyway. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it, it, that's, that's the shitty reality of it. Um, right. I guess, look, I guess if you want to be real, the one thing NBA fans could do, which is also a totally unrealistic thing, is just to n- not go to games, not watch games. But like, you know, like that's just not a realistic thing. So, um, all right, let's move on. We've talked about, I think we've talked about, I think we've covered everything that anybody would ever want to hear from us about the subject enough. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, let's talk about your, your Minnesota Timberwolves. All right, look, the Minnesota Timberwolves made a big move this offseason. They uh, signed Kyle Anderson to, no, uh, that was a nice move, I guess. Uh, but they, they traded a bunch of shit, Beverly, Vanderbilt, what other players? Oh, Be- Beasley, Malik Beasley, uh, and Leandro Balmaro. Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler, who is the fifth first-round pick, by the way. I want to make that very clear, just so everybody's on the same page. you got to count him as a first-round pick. Walker Kessler, uh, and unprotected picks in 2023, 2025, 2027, a top-five protected pick. In 2029, a pick swap in 2026. Is that correct? In 2028, I believe. And but but there's there's yeah. some stuff out there about how I don't know the exact things off the top of my head. But there's some stuff out there about how Utah has like some project protected picks or pick swaps with Oklahoma City, and that uh, that that might complicate either of those pick swaps ever ever conveying. Uh, yeah. Anyway, they got them. That's yeah. that's the thing. Um. And they got Rudy Gobert. And I think this trade, one, I feel comfortable saying this, I think this trade completely blew the market open for what teams expect, like, expect for stars. Oh, hey, hold on. Just to just to go back to this. So apparently th- this, like, just happened. Um, the, the Phoenix Suns minority owner, his name is John, John Najafi. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, who owns the second largest stake in the team behind the majority over Robert Sarver just released a statement. Uh, he writes in part, quote, I am calling for the resignation of Robert Sarver. Baxter Holmes just tweeted that. So I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's to, good. Look, that, just that's to, a, to tie a bow on the knot. That That's the type of yeah, that's needle moving stuff that needs to happen. Yeah. Like if a, if a, an owner of any kind, minority owner, it doesn't matter. Um, I think Suns. I think Sarver owns like thirty five percent. I believe, but that's the controlling stake. Um, either way, the fact that the second largest stakeholder has publicly said something that's meaningful. That can move the needle. That's the type of thing that like you need to happen. It's just you also you wish that like another owner would do that too. Uh, but look, we again we we know that won't happen. We know that Mark Cuban. Uh, look, if you want to if you want to understand ownership mindset owner's mindset just google mark cuban 2014 donald sterling and uh you will definitely love what you read um yeah and he and he and his statement he had like another thing where basically he just (laughs) thanked all the people who spoke out and thanked them for their courage um and uh yeah so but yes timberwolves trade picks oklahoma city So, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I want to say, like, I think it's fair to say this trade 
I don't want to say, you know, I won't say blew the market open. It set a new mark for what Star Trade returns, kind of what people are pegging the value as now. Um, for right, you know, for good or worse, or right or wrong, however you want to phrase it. Um, it was a big swing. I don't want to talk about the ramifications of like what it means for the rest of the league that the Timberwolves gave this package yet, but like I do want to talk about what your thoughts were because. Um, my thoughts are this, uh, look, I'll just say this and then I'll let you go. I get why the Minnesota Timberwolves did it. I think it's understandable to make a big, it's actually the right time to make a big swing on a trade because you have Anthony Edwards on this rookie scale deal. Um, you have Carlton town. So you have like your two offensive shot creator type dudes. It's, it's the time to go for it. And I get that. And I think that's, commendable i actually like really like that piece of it that the that they went for it um i just don't love locking into like you have players you can always trade but like picks are kind of the currency that you need to grease wheels a lot of times i don't love making this big of a move this early in this new ownership group's time that feels a little awkward to me and i also just don't like the idea of doing this without like because last year i mean correct me if i'm wrong i know that you don't you were not sold on like the cat at the five defensive stuff as a long-term solution um but like he was almost exclusively playing at the five last year is that correct that's correct yeah both things are correct yes and so what i don't love about it is just that like you didn't run a proof of concept before going for like the ultimate version of the thing that you are thinking about pivoting to at the five um but but i guess if you're going to go for it like go for the best interior defender in the league by far uh and just see what happens like i I, I see all like, the sides of it. I'm a little bit more like I'd have loved if they had just chilled out for a second and then done it, but I don't know what the circumstances were around Gobert. I I suspect that they felt they had to move now or else he was going to go somewhere else, and they weren't willing to wait. And, you know, look, people have said this about the Knicks, that they should have rolled the dice and just paid what they needed to pay to get Donovan Mitchell because when you can get a star, it's worth it. And in the Timberwolves case, they would have had one established star and one guy who certainly looks, you know, like he's got one step to stardom. So um, at least like in this case, you already have those guys in house. And so even if you're locked in, like you're locked into a core where you've got two established all-stars, I guess you'd have to call Rudy Gobert that now. Uh, also established defensive player of the year. Um, and Anthony Edwards, who again, just looks like I'd be shocked if he's not an all-star by at the latest year four. I wouldn't be surprised if he does it this upcoming season. The NFL's opening week was action-packed and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? 
everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any of any football game. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of JID, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I personally just love the, uh, the, the earbud tap functions. Those are really nice. Uh, the awareness mode is also great because as soon as you turn on your little Bluetooth thing on the phone, it automatically locks in. And uh, let me tell you, I go on a run every single day. I can't hear anything uh, when I have these in. So highly recommend, have enjoyed my usage of them. Uh, go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. You know, what you said about, you know, wanting to see at least a little bit of a proof of concept before, you know, like you want to swim in the, the shallow end of the pool before just like jumping in with, with into the deep end. Or going to the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and, and Cap played with, with Nas Reed a little bit uh, and the numbers weren't great on that, but it was a small sample size and those were really the only two fives they had on the team. Like if you want to call Jared Vanderbilt a five, got no problem with that. Like that was his role on offense. He played the five, essentially, chilled out in the dunker spot, set a bunch of screens for D'Angelo Russell, um, you know, rolled really hard to the rim, but but just didn't have the same level of gravity that could collapse a defense like Gobert can and wasn't really as much of an above-the-rim threat uh, that, that you know, prevented interior defenders from, from crowding ball handlers once they got into the lane. Uh, you know, they couldn't just throw the ball up there and, and expect that, that Vando would go get it. But with Gobert, you certainly can um, and for the Wolves, I have much less of a much less of a concern about how Gobert fits in offensively because all he's got to do is set a bunch of screens, crash the offensive glass hard, and catch the ball and dunk the ball. Um, you know, he's not going to be asked to do all that much. Um, and and defensively, I think he'll be asked to do a lot less than uh, than what he did in Utah. I mean, in Utah, he was essentially a garbage disposal. Like, you know, like Donovan Mitchell and, and Mike Conley were probably the worst defensive backcourt in the league. Um, you know, if you want if you want to come up with another one that was worse, you know, you, you maybe you could. I, I can't think off the top of my head. But, like, um, they're certainly in the conversation. And um, 
know, Bojan Bogdanovic, I think really the only thing anybody really thought of him defensively was because of Gobert. Royce O'Neal was the only, you know, serviceable to good defensive player on that team. I'm not even sure that's true. I actually think, I suspect that Royce O'Neal is probably a bad defender and Rudy Gobert made him look. I think he had more flashes uh, of playing, you know, high level one-on-one individual defense on the perimeter. Um, He's going to a really strong defensive culture this year. So yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's getting scary, getting real scary for uh, for you know Giannis and and uh, yeah and Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> Karis Levert. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. So with Gobert, I mean, I think what you said is exactly right. Like you know, you'd like to have there be some sort of intermediary step. But the other thing I want to talk about was was the ownership thing, like. What I, what I appreciate what I appreciate about this ownership group is that they've just been very aggressive in everything that they've wanted to do. Um, you know that they, they set a really clear goal of wanting to get more fans in the stands. They were really aggressive with partnerships and uh, securing free tickets for fans just to get people into the building um, and to try and you know stir up buzz and excitement about the team. And that certainly worked. Um, you know I, I know you aren't the biggest Richard Jefferson fan in the world. Um, and no, and I suspect most of the people fine. listening to the podcast are not either. Um, but you know, like the first, I remember the the first. Uh, I think it was game. Th- it might have been, no, it was game three uh, of that um, wretched, wretched game three of, oh. of that first round series. Um, but you was know, Richard the game Jeffrey, where you guys blew like a twenty point lead twice. Yeah, I think it was like twenty seven, um, <laughs> something like that. One of the weirdest uh, games I've ever watched in my life. Correct, correct. Um, I think ESPN had that game, but but I vividly remember Richard Jefferson talking about how he thought he like the, those crowds at Target Center reminded him of when Oklahoma City was kind of first coming to prominence with Russ and Harden and and KD, um, and that's something where I don't think like you know like old player media brain is gonna just say something really dumb. Like I think it's probably a, like a fair guy to to take that from. Um, so that was kind of cool to hear. Uh, so the, so they did a really good job on that. Like I was in the building for game four, I was in the building for the playoff game four and game six, and I was in the building for the playoff game or the play-in game as well. I mean, that place was really loud. So that was a huge first step and they just wanted to kind of build on that momentum. Obviously went out and got Connolly from their biggest rival, which is a huge success, even if it's, you know, addition by subtraction of, for Denver. Um, in terms of, you know, the Denver's loss is our gain. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there was definitely a measured approach to it in the sense that, you know, when, when you take over a team, you know, you, I'm sure every GM that when they, when they take over a team is putting out feelers saying, you know, Hey, what's the temperature on this guy? You know, now that they have new assets to play with and, uh, and new players to try and work into a trade. And I think that's what happened. And I think they realized that, uh, that the price that they had to pay was was one that certainly they could afford, and they did it without giving up Jaden McDaniels. Um, and like, I'm not going to sit here and act like every NBA fan knows Jaden McDaniels is like a, a very intriguing two way player uh, on a very very cheap team control deal, um, which, which is which is a huge asset for the Wolves. Like, I think you'd probably rather have Jaden McDaniels than a first round pick in 2027 or 2025 at the very least. Um, and they just had the infrastructure to do it. Like I completely agree with you in that the Knicks, Knicks didn't have the infrastructure to trade for Donovan Mitchell. 
at that price because you know they would have had to trade ob you know potentially iq and rj like there was just so much they would have had to give up in addition well, to all those picks they, they would have won they would have had to give up young players that matter and that are important to like the future core of the team this year and beyond and then you would have also given up the future flexibility that the knicks have right now and i think the knicks have done a really good job of you know positioning themselves in a place where they have future flexibility and what is that what is mortgaging that getting you within the next three years are, are you going to be a team that would have home courted like a top four seed in the east like I, I don't think you do that move unless you can confidently say yes i think that at minimum we'll be a top four team in the east but I don't know that you could say that if you would have given up, for instance, if it was like I, I RJ, you, IQ, and you know four picks or whatever it was. I think I think you could actually confidently say they would not be that team. I, I would feel yeah, very comfortable. I, agree. I just didn't think it made sense. Like, and part of this is on the Knicks too. Like, you can't make that trade because you still don't know enough about your young players, which is a that's the organization's that's their that's in large part due to choices made by the front office in terms of creating the roster and then hiring Tibbs and Tibbs' preference as a coach to just not list look at data apparently um, and just be really fucking annoying and stupid about shit. Um, but like again Man, like, just it, common sense too. Like yeah. your team wasn't going anywhere last year, like no offense, but like there was no reason why anybody I don't even think you guys were looking at two seasons ago talking about how like all oh, this Knicks team, like the only way they can go is up. Like I, I think people realize that that team probably overachieved a little bit, especially when you consider Tibbs track record of taking over teams. And once last season's like it was, I, I thought it was relatively clear early on that, that the Knicks were not going to be the team they were two years ago. And Tibbs didn't pivot from what he was doing. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.